Brian Sussman Show, Faith, Family, Freedom. Welcome to the podcast. We've been talking about faith over fear in the new year. Faith over fear. Faith, not fear. No fear for us. We're going forward in faith. I've got a guest who's going to be talking to us more about this in just a moment. But in the last podcast, I was talking about a television show which was produced in Los Angeles in the 60s. It was called One Adam 12. One Adam 12. Two cops on the streets of L.A. hunting down crimes, going after the bad guys. And the crimes that were being committed in the 60s in Los Angeles back then seemed puny compared to what we're seeing today. These are days of lawlessness in the United States. Now, why are there so many people engaged in lawlessness? I think it's a spiritual thing. At the heart of it all, it's a spiritual thing. But in the last podcast, I brought forward something that I want to clarify today. What we're seeing in California, shoplifting is now de facto legal in California. Generally thinking, when you think of shoplifting, you're thinking of somebody going into a store, stealing something, hiding it, and leaving. There's no more hiding in California. There's no more hiding because the state law upholds that stealing merchandise worth $950 or less is just a misdemeanor. And the cops don't even bother. They don't even bother. Which is why you have, for example, in, in very nice cities in the San Francisco Bay Area where I live, you have people breaking into, breaking into, walking into, in broad daylight, walking into a very nice department store, like a Neiman Marcus, high-end, a Nordstrom, high-end, and walking out with, they calculate it, less than $950 worth of stuff, and nobody bothers stopping them. If you call the police, they're not going to show up and do anything. And this is happening in some of the suburbs as well, a very nice suburbs call, suburb uh, east of San Francisco, just east of Oakland as well, called Walnut Creek. Same things going on there. It's because it's de facto legal. I have another case in point right along these lines. It was just a couple years ago. I was in San Francisco with my family, and uh, my truck was broken into, and there were a lot of things stolen from the truck. The truck was parked on a street just outside of a Trader Joe's, just down the street from the restaurant we were going to visit in a place called North Beach in San Francisco. The truck, my truck had tinted windows. You couldn't see if anything was in there or not. Broken into, stuff was stolen. I called the police, and here was the police response. Come on down, fill out some forms. Okay, and what's going to happen? Well, just you just need to fill out some forms in case there is some insurance on your end, and you want to get things covered, just come down, fill out the forms to verify that your car was broken into. That's it. There's no follow-up. It's probably the same type of thing in many cases where you live as well. This is lawlessness. This is lawlessness being upheld by the law. So California is extending an open invitation to anyone to walk in and take, just like that. Since they now know that police or prosecutors won't bother with a misdemeanor complaint and that the store personnel will not stop them. And what's being ransacked? It's not just department stores, it's pharmacies. Pharmacies. Pharmacies are being broken into. 
and drugs are being taken. And so this was being brought forward by Governor Newsom. Governor Newsom is uh, Nancy Pelosi's nephew. The hopes with, Nat- with Governor Newsom is that he someday becomes president of the United States. I've been saying that and I've, I've, I've written articles about that for years. So don't be surprised when he runs for president of the United States of America. But he's the guy that proudly signed the new law in which shoplifting is a misdemeanor. $950 limit. This is a big deal to the left. They think they're doing society a favor. Maybe this is being done in the name of equity. I don't know. But it's not what God would intend for us. So we bring in the swimming monk right now. And by the way, I apologize, my microphone, not as professional as usual, but I know you can put up with it for a few days. I'm out here in Texas visiting some friends. Uh, And one of my friends is the swimming monk. Swimmingmonk.com is his website, swimmingmonk.com, a.k.a. Jeff Langscove. He is my go-to theologian for all things. Okay, that puts a heavy, heavy load on your shoulders because you're, you're my theologian, buddy. That means you're the audience's theologian as well. Swimming Monk, could you please, like in just a couple sentences, explain to people what that's all about? Why are you the Swimming Monk? Well, it's, it's, uh, it really goes back to my upbringing. I became a competitive swimmer at the age of four, and one of my, I think my earliest, uh, uh, my, my earliest recognition of, of, of being an individual was swimming the 25-yard backstroke as a four-year-old in a race without lane lines and looking up in the blue sky. Anyway, I was raised <laughs> I was raised swimming and swimming was just kind of my identity. I swam all the way through high, uh, high school, played water polo and into college and it was really kind of an an identity um, in my life. And you you're built like one of those swimmers too. You're <laughs> you're real tall and lanky, right? Yeah. Although now you see so you got the tall and lanky build of a swimmer, but you've got the long beard of of the monk of the monk yeah, yeah. so yeah. I, I see that yeah you and, and the beard makes you people would never believe how young you are because the beard makes you look so well so biblically ancient <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <clears throat> so that's the swimming book but you've got some wonderful articles on your website uh, that I think are very insightful I don't know if you've written about this or not, but yesterday on the broadcast, we were talking about lawlessness and the spirit of lawlessness. And you mentioned something to us that was very important because in our series, you know, faith, not fear in the new year, you mentioned that the first human emotion that we read about in the Bible is fear. Okay. That speaks volumes to mankind. That should speak volumes to everybody listening to this program because we've all been We've all been wrapped up at some point in our life in fear. That's a big deal. Yeah, and we—you're exactly right. Fear is a powerful emotion, and and it is a uh, a normal response to life, hmm. stimulus in life. You know, fight or flight. Right. Is is a is a reaction of fear to a situation that's dangerous. Either you fight, or you or you or you you flee right right so fear's normal right what we have to do is understand how to manage fear 
and and I, I, I wanted to, actually, I'm glad you asked this because I wanted to go into a little bit deeper. In the New Testament, there's actually three words, different Greek words, mm -hmm. that are translated fear okay. in the New Testament. One word that's used is always a negative connotation of fear, and that is timidity or cowardice. So when Paul says to Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of cowardice, timidity. Mm -hmm. He's given you what? A spirit of love, power, and a sound, sound mind. mind. And that is a real uh, uh, allusion to the presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer. Because the spirit of God is a spirit, the spirit of love and power okay. and, and sound thinking. So I, I want to really stop on that for a moment for our listeners, because there are some of you who may be wrapped up in that kind of fear and realize that God can break you out of that. You're, 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 the fear is making you timid. It's making you just, just want to roll up in a ball and, and kiss the world goodbye. Stay out of my, stay out of my lane. Uh, but God can overcome that. Yes. Well, I've, that's huge. I, I mean, I, it's a very personal struggle with me. Timidity is, can come in all kinds of shapes and forms. Perfectionism. You're not going to launch out and try something because it's not perfect. That's a form of timidity. Wow. It's a form of, unless this is perfect, I'm not going to say or do anything. Well, God's love should compel us to even when something isn't to our standard of perfection, we're still going to step out and say that word of encouragement. We're going to do that act of kindness, or we're going to help someone and get out of our comfort zone, Man. even though it might not meet our standard of perfection, right? The other, another thing is the fear of failure hides in that nests, right. in that timidity. You're afraid to fail, so you don't move out in love or reach out to that person or that coworker or that family member because there's a, a fear that they'll reject you. So there's all kinds of vipers that wow. nest in this timid okay. den of vipers, so to speak, that we have to battle against as Christians. And the Holy Spirit is constantly wanting to move us in power into this God-forsaken, loveless world yeah. with His love and power. We have to overcome cowardice. How many times did Cowards, I... Cowards... I'm sorry, Brad. No, that's good. Outside of the New Jerusalem, one of the people groups that are not let in are cowards. It's this word from 2 Timothy 1.7. Okay. It's a satanic spirit. I've got to process this for a second. Yeah. And I know if I'm processing, our, our audience is processing. How many people did I know all my years in uh, professional media... Uh, television at the television news at the highest levels, talk radio at the highest levels. How many overachievers did I meet? People very successful, total overachievers, who actually were overachieving because they were fearful. They did not want to be rejected by the audience. They did not want to be rejected by their peers. They did not perhaps want to underachieve and uh, fail the, the performance standards of family members like a mom or a dad. You probably see this in every field, but you're right. It manifests, fear manifests itself in different ways. It, it, I think it really builds walls. Wow. It builds walls between people. 
it, it, it undermines relationships that mm-hmm. need to be, um, uh, that are, that are essential or need, or need to be vital. So yeah, timid, timidity is a, is a force to be reckoned okay, with. Okay. So that was one type of fear, yeah. timidity. Right. What's the, you, you had a couple others. The other one is, it's only found a few times. I'll just use the one reference, um, is in Hebrews eleven seven when God warned Noah about the flood that was coming and it said, he moved by faith, right? Mm-hmm. This warning, and he built the ark. It says he was moved with reverential, godly fear. So this is always a positive fear. It's the fear uh-huh. of God in a person's life that is the result of hearing God's voice and being held accountable to do what he's asked you to do. This is godly fear that's motivates you towards righteousness healthy fear towards building something that makes a difference so then you have the the timidity that says i'm not going to build it because i'm afraid right and then you have the godly fear that is i'm going to build it because judgment is coming and i want my family to get saved so i'm going to do what god told me to do this is godly fear totally different word man okay it's it's the worship fear it's the it's the fear that's required for worship the fear of god that he's going to do what he's going to say and he's going to hold you accountable for what he's given you to do so those are two Mm -hmm. is there a third did you say third is the word phobos we all know that phobia yeah phobia we get the word phobia from it that fear is part of human nature it's part of the fall adam we just talked about it when adam fell the first emotion that registered in the human experience and heart was fear. I hid where I was afraid. That's what Adam said to God yes. when God came looking for him. So that's a, an emotion that's neutral that can be moved positively or negatively. It can paralyze you. Yeah, if you're, if you're in the jungle and a, uh, the roar of a lion... The roar of a lion... That's a fear that is basically informing you, don't keep going in that direction, <laughs> right? Or, or, or load your gun. Right. That's a positive fear. You, it's a fear that you should prepare yourself right. or you should flee. You need to get out of there. That's a healthy fear. So when we talk about faith, not fear in the new year, I'm talking about two different, well, you could, two different kinds of fear for, for sure. The phobia. We don't want that in anybody's life. And the first fear, timidity. We don't want anybody to be wrapped up in that. The second fear is the healthy fear of God. We want more of that. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. And the, the greatest fear, phobia, is the fear of death. That is that that is the greatest fear that it literally enslaves man, the fear of death. That the fear of death is what brought me to Jesus. I was so consumed by the fear of death after watching one of my best friends uh, die in a car accident. I uh, He was on a bike, and I, I witnessed the, the aftermath just after it occurred. And I was so... Okay, two things happened. One, I was so consumed with fear after after witnessing all of these events that I went back home, and what did I do? I, I curled up in a ball. I was, I think I was 10. I curled up in a ball and I hid in a corner of the house. I was that afraid I 
wrap myself up in a ball and just hid in a corner until I was discovered by my parents. And that fear carried with me for many years, but that same fear, Jeff, brought me to faith in Jesus. It was either, it was either find faith or die. I would have died a, a, a miserable, horrid, I would have died a miserable man had he not freed me from that fear. Faith, not fear. That's what, that's what I want for all of our people. Okay, so how does that story resonate with what you know of the scriptures? Perfect love drives out fear. The fear of death, mm -hmm. the fear of eternal damnation, mm -hmm. the fear of torment and judgment. Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of our greatest fears, mm -hmm. God himself reveals himself in order to take us captive to the law of his love. The Bible, the New Testament talks about the law of love. Yeah. This is, this, there's lawlessness in the world, but God is moving us towards rock, walking in this radical law of love, which is to be fear, fearless, yeah. fearless of death. No fear. Yeah. There's no fear. And so God's love is the antithesis of that captivating fear of death and punishment that liberates someone through the forgiveness and through the blood and through the cross, that then that person goes and becomes an ambassador of love to people who are bound by fear. Wow. We were speaking about these topics uh, in, in lesser detail in the last podcast, but as we concluded, you were mentioning something from the book of Judges chapter 21, and that sparked me to say, okay, let's get back. Let's record another one of these right now. So what was that particular scripture? Well, I think we were talking about lawlessness. I mean, apart from the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC, which to me was the, the lowest point for Israel mm -hmm. as a people, I think this is a close second, the end of the book of Judges. Um, chapter 21, verse 25 says, in those days... There was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Okay, that's, that's the United States today. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in, in their own eyes. In, in these days, in the United States of America, in many places, there is no, there is no authority. The authority has just been... Do whatever you want. We don't want the police. We want to defund the police. The, the police are our targets. Uh, last year, I mentioned to you in the last podcast, the number of police that were shot. Last year in the last podcast, I, remember I mentioned to you the number of police that have been killed. Authority. There is no king. There is no authority. Kind of the same thing. It's the same, the same spirit of lawlessness, I believe, correct? Yeah, I mean, even the founding of this country was they rejected the king, right? The literal king of yeah, England. Yeah, the literal king of England. And they said the law will be king. Now we have hmm. no law mm -hmm. in order, and we have no leadership. This is true anarchy. No leadership and no law. Hmm. That's anarchy. That's when everyone's going to do whatever they feel like they, they want to do. So how, okay, now you kind of fast forward because I've, I've, I've written about this. We've talked about this on the podcast. 
you know, these are the last days. Right away, that stops people and says, oh boy, what kind of a, what kind of a kooky man of faith are you? Well, the last days, Jesus talked about these being the last days. As I see it, Jeff, correct me, please, because you're the swimming monk and I'm just the guy that has the podcast. But the last days began when Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, and ascended to the right hand of the Father. Now we're into the last days. Is that correct? Yeah, we're in the last of the last days, you might say. Yeah, okay. So we're into the last of the last days, and when we talk about the spirit of lawlessness, that plays in perfectly to the picture that Jesus gave us of what to be aware of as a sign of his coming. Yeah, and 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 that we have to understand that this is just the way it's going to be. And so we have to decide what side of history we're going to be on. Mm -hmm. It's such a radical message that even the Apostle John says, let him who is wicked act more wickedly. And mean, let him, he what, says it in the book of Revelation. What, what does that mean, though? And let him who is righteous act more righteously, meaning we're going to become what we are. Okay. In these days, there's a polarization of good and evil. People are going to be incredibly heroic for the things of God and do incredible things for him. But on the other hand, people are going to do insidious evil things on the other hand, and it's going to be a collision. Hmm. There's going to be a collision of the forces of good and the forces of evil. We know who wins. Jesus comes and slays his enemies with the word of his mouth. Wow. Wow. So... The, the question is, what side of history do you want to be on, right? I mean, yes. that's, that's the question. Yeah. And what side of history do you want to be on? You, you're thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not a hero. I'm not a warrior. I'm not that kind of person. But yes, you can be that type of person because Jesus can make you into that type of person. Correct? Yeah. I mean, when you come to Jesus as Lord and Savior... He gives you his spirit mm -hmm. to dwell within you. And that wow. becomes your own personal well of love, uh, artesian spring of, of the love of God flowing in you mm -hmm. to be able to influence the world around you. Wow. Uh, quick prayer to wrap this up. Uh, Lord, for my friends listening who are finding themselves at a, at a point in which they're, they got to make a decision. Uh, do I go deeper in my relationship with Jesus? I pray that you will give them and equip them with all they need to go into that deeper relationship. And for those who are just kind of kicking the tires of faith, listening to this, thinking, I, I, I like what these guys are talking about. I just haven't gone there yet. Well, now's the time. Now is the time to take a knee and surrender your life to his will and ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He will forgive you of your sins. He will empower you to do his will. He will empower you to pick up your cross and follow him. And picking up your cross and following him is something we talked about, by the way, in the last podcast. So, Lord, bless all my listeners. Bless all my friends. Thank you for their participation. I'm Brian Sussman. More at me at briansussman.com. Jeff is at swimmingmonk.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, God bless you and God bless the United States of America.